This is a Bergen Film Club podcast. Like an old movie, moved from frame, I am floating and looking for someone to blame. Won't you project me on the walls of your heart? I'm waiting. The real thing to start. Hello, welcome to the real thing. I'm your host, Joe Lawrence. This is a podcast that is an extension of Bergen Film Club in which we talk about the films included in the film's program, why they're cool, why we chose them, why you should watch them. Today we have a lovely film, very nice film indeed, and joined by equally lovely returning guest, Carolina Tombeck. Hello. 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 Here she is. Here I am. <laughs> Once again. I'm, I'm back again, but... <laughs> yeah. Now you get a new version of me because I'm sick. So you, it's a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Carolina is. She's been sick. <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> I have been the definition of sickness. Yeah. Yeah. And so brave of you to come on the podcast despite I... the adversities and challenges that you're facing right now. <laughs> I feel very brave. Yeah, yes. you should. You should. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and just so everyone know, we are recording over Zoom, so mm-hmm. there's no. I'm not gonna infect you and kill you with what I'm having. That's nice. Yes, <laughs> I really appreciate that. You're welcome. I'm Being nice like that. Sucks. Yeah, it does. It yeah. really does. So yeah, I guess we'll try and keep things. A little shorter than normal, so we don't keep you from your rotting in bed activities. <laughs> I'm technically still rotting in bed. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rotting in bed alone. I should yes. Say. Yeah. Only company is uh, Agent Cooper. Happy Valentine's Day. For last Happy week. Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. That's the holiday. Yeah. That I was sick during. Which was yeah, even too. more visible. We are here to talk about the incredibly true adventure of two girls in love, 1995, Maria McGendy directed movie. Yes. Yeah. Which we showed on Valentine's Day. Yeah, we did. Yes. And I think so it was extra sad. Yeah. That I couldn't go. Yeah. Do you want to quickly get out the kind of Carolina curse out of the way? I have. I have a curse. Yeah. <laughs> so all of the films I'm most excited about, I get sick. Or not all of them, two of them. I've been sick in one of them. We had audio issues. Um, That was when we showed Host. Right. And I was so excited. It's the Rob Savage horror film. Mm. And uh, suddenly our whole audio system just done. Didn't work. Couldn't get a sound out. We had to switch the whole system. Because they was like, this this is it. It's over. I got so drunk that day, but that <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> and then um, 
there was Twilight. I don't remember which one of these came first, to be honest, but we were showing Twilight. I had tried to get Twilight on the program for so long, like yeah. years. Hmm. And then I was like, this year it's happening because it's a female director, the first one. Hmm. And it's a great film. Very true. You can argue with the wall. I think it's great. And uh, <laughs> and then I was like home, just visiting my parents. Then my dad got a bit sick. And I was like, mm, I hope this isn't anything infectious or COVID. Because this was 2021. So it's kind of like COVID times. It wasn't COVID. Okay. And then I get back to Bergen. And I was so sick. No. Like... Uh, my friend Ainsley. Hey, girly. Hey, Ainsley. Uh, she... Hey, Ainsley. I love you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, like, I remember her going to the store for me and she knocked on the door and I opened and she just started laughing over how awful I looked. Damn. And that was when we were showing Twilight, so I couldn't go. And now. Oh, that really sucks. What a film to yeah. miss. I cried. No joke. Yeah. I was crying the whole day because i was like i've been waiting for this for years mm. but nonetheless i believe it was a success and yeah everyone enjoyed it love was felt good times were had love was felt yeah yeah Okay, let's get into the film a bit, and then we can talk a little bit about why you chose it. Yes. So as I said, it is a 1995 American comedy drama film written and directed by Maria Magenti, Magenti, I don't know. I'm not sure. It has two Gs. I'm, sorry. I'm not sure where to go from there. <laughs> it stars Laurel Holloman, Nicole Ari Parker, and Maggie Moore. And it tells the story of two very different high school girls who fall in love and their relationship. In way of production, in 1992, Maria Magenti started a script with an image in her head of a tomboy with love notes in her back pocket, gradually adding more characters such as the tomboy's family and her love interest. Later, she realized this character was based on her first girlfriend. Majority's script, which originated as, quote, a very dark story of teenage sexuality and teenagers' relationship to adults, end quote, grew until Majority briefly abandoned it in 1994. However, the film's future associate producer, Melissa Painter, convinced Majority to shop the story around as an independent film. Two producers wanted a pivotal element of the two love interests being from very different paths, so Majority added a scene that established the beginning of the girls' relationship. The producers were delighted with this, so Magenti wrote a new script, which she finished in eight days. She found she had surprised herself in that the script was now a comedic farce. The story wasn't about gay love or coming out, but about first love between teenagers. Shooting was completed in 21 days during the summer of 1994. Scenes taking place at Randy and Evie's high school were filmed in divisions of Horace Mann School and in Riverdale neighborhood of the Bronx. Of the film's ending, being likened by audience to a Hollywood romantic ending, Magenti said, quote, A lot of people have mentioned to me that the shot looks like a marriage portrait. The final shot is actually a very ambivalent shot. 
leaving them at the threshold of adulthood, a relationship, their families, everything, end quote. It debuted in 1995 at the Sundance Film Festival and received good reviews. It was then given a, it was given a limited theatrical release in the United States on June 16, 1995, and it was also theatrically released in Australia in 1996 and also in the UK. Why did you choose this movie, Carolina? Uh, so one thing I really like to get on the program is... First of all, a queer film. And uh, I do enjoy happy queer films. Mm. And uh, I feel like this is very much that. It's so funny and the characters are so interesting. And spoiler alert, none of them dies in the end. Shocking, I know. (laughs) And I just, after watching it, I just felt so happy and I was like, I need to share this happiness with everyone I love because yeah. I had such a fun time watching it. And yeah, it, it's just, it's so lovely. That's kind of how I feel about it. It's just very lovely. And uh, it's so fun to see like the difference between the characters and the family. I think this is the first time I've seen like a film from from the 90s where... It's like such an open queer family for, hmm. uh, uh, you know, it's just the house of the, why I, can, I, I apologize, my brain is not working That's 100%. Totally okay. I can't remember a single name right now. Um, just give me Randy, a second. Frank. Yeah, Randy, her family, yeah. like her, she lives with her aunts and they're, she's a lesbian. And their house is just, it has like a rainbow flag on the outside and it's like very, I just look at it, it's like, damn, that's all I want. Mm. I want to just live in such a queer home that is so positive and open. Mm. And... Uh, no, yeah, I just think it's so lovely to see and be able to see that on a big screen. Absolutely. And uh, not every queer story needs to end tragically and be tragic. It, it can be funny and quirky and a bit awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, welcome to talk a bit more about that like in a bit, but I think it, it really pushes the great uh, people be gay narrative. Yes. Uh, yeah, which I appreciate very much in in films like this because their queerness isn't like the subject of the film. It's just kind of like mm-hmm. it's just what's happening. Yeah, you know, no question about it. It's just in the same way that a straight relationship is never like a man and a woman dating. Like, let's discuss this. Oh my god! Like, yeah, it's just it's accepted in the way that the straight relationship would be in a rom-com yeah. for example it's the expected thing in a way yeah there's still like scenes of uh of them like questioning especially evie her questioning her sexuality but it's done in like a very it's not the main focus of the film yeah it's her being like a bit unsure what is going on she tells her friends they're not that supportive of it but they're not like beating her up 
it's just like, well, I think I'm queer, so hmm. bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk a bit about the critical reception from The mm -hmm. Real Thing's homeboy, Roger Ebert. Uh, yeah. So he gave the film three out of four, his classic Whoa. rating system, <clears throat> and said it was warm-hearted, funny, and involving, and the two leads are very well cast. Yes. Uh, I was also very happy. So, just quickly, the MPA, Motion Picture Association, is an American trade association represented of five major film studios in the U.S., as well as the video streaming service Netflix. And it was founded in like the 1920s. And it's like this huge conglomerate uh, that serves as a, it rates movies, I believe. Like, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, uh, NC-17 or like R rating or PG, for example. Yeah. So he lambasted the MPAA for giving the film a R rating for a love scene between the two young women arguing a similar love scene between a boy and a girl wouldn't have qualified for the word strong and the MPA is shocked by homosexuality. The R rating is ironic when you reflect how much healthier and more thoughtful this film is than so much mindless action-oriented family entertainment and how likely it mm -hmm. is to inspire conversations about values. Yeah. End quote. Which is very true. Yeah. His uh, <laughs> review itself uh you know he uh he wasn't afraid to use some words i'm gonna say oh yeah oh no um but you know i guess he, this this article was written in 1995 mm. i would like to say it was a different <laughs> i mean but more moreover he kind of the majority of the article is just kind of uh reflecting kind of like the nice family values like you talked about and mm -hmm. uh, like the meaning of chosen family and home and queer love yeah it's like that might not be a conventional family but it's a healthy family is what he mm -hmm. said which i think is very nice yeah what a dude <laughs> what a guy i yeah i was like we talk about him so much i feel like i'm gonna have to do an episode about Roger Ebert at some point because I use his <laughs> reviews in like every single episode but you know I mean, he was uh, he was he was writing and he was telling the truth online word for years up until his death rip yeah he I was uh, looking through a list of films that he had given like the 100% to mm -hmm. like the 4 out of 4 and it is such a crazy mix of films. Like, I feel like that's fun. You can't, there's no like, because I feel like with a lot of critics, they tend to favor certain things. Oh, yeah, you can tell, kind of. But no, it's just, of course, all over the place. That's fun. Yeah. I like that. Uh, like, he gave 500 Days of Summer four stars. Uh, he gave Ali Theory to the Soul four stars. Mm -hmm. You get alien four stars, like, Why? yeah, what a guy. I, I will trust the film critic that gave alien four stars. Yeah, just say, yeah. And I'm always very surprised when he likes some. Like I was, not the, 
I don't know why, but I was kind of surprised that he liked this so much. Yeah, but I I get what you mean because it's always a bit like, what are you going to think about this film? Because it's yeah, yeah, it's the it's probably not for everyone, solely based on the fact that it's about two women being in love. Yeah, yeah, and he reviewed over like a thousand movies. Jesus Christ! Yeah, like. Well, I think that's at least what he gave four four stars to was a thousand movies, like in amongst Whoa. all of the films that he ever reviewed, which is just incredible. I just wanted to shout out to my the real one, Roger Ebert, up in heaven, looking yeah. down on this. I hope you listen hope to the podcast. Approved. Yeah, <laughs> up there, up there, or down there, wherever you are. Yeah. Maybe they have Wi Fi. They have Wi Fi in Maybe. hell. Maybe they, they better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought we could talk a little bit about the director, Maria Magenti. Yes. Yeah. Or found her to have something of an interesting career. Yeah. Yeah. So she is an American film director and screenwriter who is traditionally credited for making independent films, even though she's done a lot more work out of the two films that she made. She was the script editor for an American television series Without a Trace from 2003, uh, which is like a true crime procedural, and has written many episodes for the show as well, but is perhaps best known for her feature, The Incredibly Two Adventure of Two Girls in Love. Her film Puccini for Beginners was in competition at the Sundance Film Festival in 2006, and she has been an activist with ACT UP for many years, which is an AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, which is an international political group working to end the AIDS pandemic. Um, yeah, and she studied philosophy, Greek and Latin at university, so not necessarily having like a background in film coming from that. Uh, she moved to New York City, working in television commercials and production of gay rights and AIDS activist documentaries. During this time, she put together letters asking friends and colleagues to support her enrollment at the New York University Film School. She wanted to create films regarding gay and lesbian life that were more realistic and missing from mainstream movies. She then enrolled in NYU's graduate film program and was awarded a teaching fellowship. During the time between 1990 and 1994, she worked on very short films and then came her debut and made her a name for herself in the community. And she's uh, famously only made two films, both uh, 11 years apart. So off her first movie, Incredible True Adventure of Two Girls, uh, was very successful despite it having a very, very limited uh, budget. And then mm-hmm. her second movie came in 2006, Puccini for Beginners, a romantic comedy based off her big first love affair with a man and was filmed in New York City over the span of 18 days and was released in 2006. Mm-hmm. And after she filmed these films, uh, she relocated to Los Angeles, shifting her focus to television writing, which is when she started writing on this Without a Trace show. Her involvement writing on Without a Trace was a transition due to the fact that she was working alongside others instead of alone, as she had been doing so for 10 years. She describes how she ultimately came to love it and loved her colleagues. While she did enjoy the being in the company of, quote, all of these smart people, end quote, she adds that 
from a lifestyle point of view, she did not like the quote idea of that we have to work Monday to Friday every day in an office for 11 months straight, end quote. Same, honestly. Same. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, she also wrote an episode of 90210 and ended up co-producing several other episodes. In 2007, she was commissioned by Sundance Film Festival to create a movie uh, for a cell phone. And then I couldn't find that. So there you go. That's huh. uh, that's everyone's homework. <laughs> in 2010, she co-wrote the comedy Monte Carlo, starring Selena Gomez, which was released in 2011. Uh, and as I briefly mentioned, she is a core member of this ACT UP an activist group working to impact the lives of people with AIDS. She's co-authored some of the group's educational materials and has been a participant and documentarian of many of the group's direct actions. As a member of ACT UP Oral History Project, she is one of the people preserving the history of ACT UP and the years of the AIDS pandemic and filmed interviews with people who have lived through it. Love that. It's fine. Yeah. So very, like, driven to kind of protect and show queer art and also mm -hmm. the queer community and you would know this from the extremely interesting wikipedia personal life segment, <laughs> segment on her page that just says uh magenta is bisexual period and then there's a reference <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that is going to be my wikipedia page at some point Carolina is bisexual, and then a quote. Yes. Yeah. Quote being from this yes. very podcast. <laughs> I am bisexual. Yeah. Yeah, so like a pretty like minimalist career in a way, but she's uh she's done a lot, and I think that films like this always have a place and do have such a big impact. And it's for yeah. yeah, it's great to have films like this that do show queer love in a way that's cozy and real and not at the mercy of some straight person's narrative. Yeah, because it's kind of it's not nice to be a queer person and just see all the films about your potential love life being tragic. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, that's kind of upsetting. Yeah. You can have a nice, fulfilling, and beautiful relationship with a person, and none of you have a tragic death. Yeah. And we've talked it's, about this before yeah. when we did the Different from the Others episode that, like, how, like, you know, like, in a way, I guess I wish that maybe I'd seen this movie sooner because we, in that episode, we talked about, like, how this kind of like nice queer expression is missing from a lot of mm -hmm. stuff that we would have seen growing up. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, uh, I will get AIDS and die if I have sex with a man. <laughs> no. Because that's like the portrayal of it in media. That was only the other yeah. like, oh, this is a gay relationship. But then one of them, yeah, yeah one of them is going to get HIV and die. And, yeah. Or one of them is going to get like beaten to death or. Yeah. Yeah. Just brutally killed for being yeah. gay. And like that's personally made it difficult for someone who is such a fan of Stephen King. Um, yeah. That watching or reading that growing up, I was like, well, 
you know, or if the common denominator of all these gay characters is that one of them is going to die or mm-hmm. get like viciously bullied. Yeah. Um, which is why, yeah, I guess we touched a lot about that in that previous episode, but specifically kind of like, like the added element of being a lesbian is that you are mm-hmm. typically a woman. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of adds another level of exploitation i think oh yeah from definitely especially from like a male director or a straight male director yes yeah uh because like in the in the realm of like trash cinema there's uh <clears throat> dyke <laughs> uh dyke exploitation Yes, which is which is like a genre, but I feel like that can also just be applied to a lot of these like like mainstream movies, definitely as well because hundred percent it's just like gratuitous uh, lesbianism in a way that's kind of like not serving any kind of like queer agenda, but just kind of like the enjoyment mm. of a straight male watcher. Yeah, um, uh, and I know that I've definitely felt that watching like some films like famously. Blue is the warmest color. Mm-hmm. Is a movie that, at the time, I think received so much like praise and accolade yeah. for it being this kind of like very like visceral and real portrayal of a lesbian relationship. But ultimately, all it is is super exploitative and uncomfortable and. Yeah, I have avoided that film like the plague, so mm. I've not seen it. Uh, Just because hearing about it, it's like, oh, this is kind of kind of weird and gross. And like, uh, it feels very exploitive. Absolutely. Uh, and similarly, I, f- I know that a lot of like film people love Park Chan Wook. <laughs> Call them film bros. Film bros love Park Chan Wook. <laughs> I like Park Chan Wook. I think he is a good director. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, old boy, decision to leave. Good movies, but The Handmaiden. Yeah. I hate that movie. Like, I remember I watched that in the cinema when it came out. Whenever that was, and I was like, this like the sex scenes in that film just feel so like because in that film there's like an element of like power dynamic and kind of control mm-hmm. o- over the other person but it's just really uncomfortable like gratuitous nudity sex and like as a like as a straight male writer like how much can you really understand mm-hmm. about yeah. that and like no. i don't want to be like that's the reason that it's bad is because it's a straight male director because there are plenty of films absolutely where queerness is shown in a way that's yeah good and that's why but in this film in particular like they scissor in that movie and i don't know a lot about uh females obviously but uh like you know if i it felt like i was watching porn mm-hmm. in the cinema yeah just kind of like that exploitation kind of gets so easy to do yeah, because it can be like under the narrative of like, oh, we're showing like a queer relationship or like a lesbian expression. Yeah. It's like that's not to me. It's not an excuse to just uh, slam 
<laughs> anyway, but like, <laughs> I forgot which podcast I'm on. I can't like uh, talk shit. <laughs> keep it, keep it PG. <laughs> yeah, time out. It's time to stop. Yeah. Yeah, but like the media portrayal of lesbians is very all over the place, I feel. Yeah. But you can very yeah. obviously see if you show a, a sex scene from a queer director mm. and a straight director, you can tell very easily because it's very porny. From the straight director and it's very mm. clearly that it's like oh they find the thought of two women being together hot so it's gonna be hot and it's not gonna be realistic it's just gonna be very like look how sexy this is what did they and how show perfect their is. <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's like it's it's like just be a porn director if that's what you want to do. Yeah, that's ultimately where they that's where Pog Chan work will really shine, in oh. my opinion, is as a porn director. <laughs> and you know those would be shown in cinemas just because they would be like it is him. Visionary Oter. Yes, it's artistic and <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, Hog Chan works uh, visionary new movie, stepdaughter, step wife. <laughs> um... <laughs> no, <laughs> that's kind of oh like my it, God. it's kind of like how it feels in some of these kind of like films that feel very exploitative. Yeah, but I just I think I just have so much rage because I hated that Maiden so much. <laughs> so yeah, but like Fair recently, enough. I feel like. I feel like especially in TV, it's been it's been done in a way that's like a bit more because I feel like with kind of like gay gay stuff, it's very yeah. easy, especially in movies and TV, to kind of make it like the brunt of the joke in a way because it's like mm-hmm. this can be something very like revolutionary in a way, but it it can't be serious because then we'll like we'll lose funding. Yeah. For example, like. Uh, Season one of Friends had the first ever lesbian wedding. Oh. Shown huh. in media Didn't or know that. in TV. Uh and like there's still a lot of like quips about being lesbian and Yeah. Uh there's still there's still something pretty progressive in a way. It's like yeah. kind of see where they came from. And I guess this incredibly true adventure of two girls in love came after that i guess yeah it would be yeah. wouldn't it mm. yeah this is like i think maybe this has been a bit easier in tv to kind of like normalize it in a way kind of yeah yeah because i feel like with a film you're like spotlighting it oh yeah definitely in, in like a tv in... show it's like just put it in the background it's fine like yeah, yeah. it can be like a just a little background thing happening and then you don't have to see it yeah for more than two minutes yeah but then we had like the l word and uh like orange is the new black you know like 
Mm -hmm. That was a lot of uh, lesbians. Yeah, that was lesbians. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I feel like, you know, like I kind of didn't just want to like rehash all the stuff that we talked about previously, but I feel like no. it's nice to have films like this and you can kind of like always see that there's always some kind of like good forward momentum. Yeah. Progression in a way through queer cinema. Yeah. Because mm. uh, with um, in this film with like the, the lesbian aunt, it's like, oh, you can see a older She's not old, but she's older than the high schoolers. Yeah. Like, lesbian woman being in a relationship with other women and just being very healthy and it's a good life. It's still a a nice and fulfilling life. Hmm. And it's kind of nice to see that because you don't really do that in a lot of films where one of the queer people die before they even turn 30. Yeah. So... You know, it's it's very nice and very important to show these films to just be like, you will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You will find someone who loves you and you will you will grow old and uh, you will not die of AIDS or yeah. being beaten up by someone who hates you just because you're in love with the same gender. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we're in like a much better time now. Definitely. More or less. Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah. We were mm -hmm. just talking about Queer Eye, you know. Yeah. But I guess that even that show when it like was first out must have been like Oh yeah, it was a bit problematic, I feel like, in the beginning. Yeah. For like certain people. It was like what is this? Netflix definitely lost subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but like I think the original show was in like the eighties or the nineties, even so. Yeah, that's like, you know, there's always been kind of like, um, wave makers in the kind of like queer director oh, screenwriter yeah, community. So it's, it's uh, it's nice that we kind of have been able to trust those people in the past to kind of get to where we were. So like, mm -hmm. you know, big up Maria Magenti. Where are you now, Diva? Los Angeles. Slay. She did write, I saw a show called Sex Life. Yeah. In 2023. Okay. And if I remember correctly, that was the show that went viral on TikTok because one of the characters had a ginormous penis. Oh. Yeah. Wait. Wait. I, th I think it's this show. Because it was like a whole thing, like everyone... Go to the show at this time to see. Yep. Okay. This was the one that had like real sex in it, right? Maybe. Yeah. It yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. There was like realpenetration.com. <laughs> realpenetration.com. Yeah. Nice. Well, good for, I guess, uh, sexual liberation is the next uh, front. So. Yeah, mm. I don't know if she was like the main writer. <laughs> I just saw she was there. Oh, she wrote one episode. And it was the best one. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Were you, uh, yeah, I guess. Hmm. If you have any like 
I don't know, I feel like I'm putting you on the spot in this question, but like any similar films, I guess, that you have seen that kind of just show queer love in a normal way. Because I was thinking, I was like, is that that for like gay men? Because I feel like they're only ever really cringy and horrible. Like bros. Uh, I didn't see that. I don't know if I should. I would say no. But I mean, like, it's yay. But whatever. <laughs> uh, so I can't really remember how this film's end, but uh, Paria by D. Reese is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a teenager in Brooklyn. It is a bit sadder because it's more about um, yeah, this teenager alike who tries to get comfortable with being queer mm-hmm. and uh, her mom is very much not approving hmm. that, but it's still a really, really good film that I would recommend. Uh, and, uh, oh shit, what is that called again? Cocoon is really good. Mm. We showed that, uh, in the film club last year, I think. Just young girl trying to figure out her sexuality. Yeah. And meeting another girl and just her starting to get more comfortable about being a lesbian which is which is nice hmm. and there was one more i sort of just remembered but now i can't remember it anymore no but they are yeah the watermelon woman oh, yeah by cheryl din Dinia. that is really good that is very sweet hmm. that is a recommend 100 percent watch that yeah please yeah Mm. yeah do you have any uh closing remark to make about this movie before we end the episode um huh just uh there is a lot of nice lesbian films out there you just have to look for them yeah so Take your time, because it is important that they are being watched and are being shared. So just just look for them, and you will find them. And you might find your new favorite film ever mm. because of it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, man, these bitches be gay. Yeah. Yes. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. Mm. Yes. Well, thank you very much for being back on the podcast despite your of course. incredible illness i i'm so sorry i wasn't better company I no. no no people no. are still okay with me and don't hate me everyone loves you don't worry about it oh my god thank you so much when you eventually kill me and take my place as the podcast host yeah. people will be happy i think okay yeah. good mm. good so I can keep on my planning of I think so. how to get rid of. Yeah, no, great. When we do a live episode on episode 50 and you kill me, Lana, then... Uh... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it only makes sense. I mean, yeah. it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pleasure as always. I'm sure you'll be back on again soon. 
<laughs> oh, probably. Suddenly I will make an appearance yeah. at some point. Okay. So don't miss me too much. No. And then I will hopefully be not sick yeah. and disgusting. Wish everyone, uh, wish Carolina feel better in the chat, everyone. <laughs> F in the chat. F in the chat for feel better. Yes, that's exactly yeah, okay. what it says for. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. This has been a Birkin Film Club production. Our music is by Wise John. Check them out on Instagram at WISE John Official. Our logo is by Pierre Sophia Brentesen. This episode was produced, mixed, and engineered by Joe Lawrence. Our researchers are Inke Schilkreibern and Mamina Nasmajit. Want to talk to us about films? Then please send us an email at podcast at bergenfilmclub.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at TheRealThingPod. Check us out on Letterboxd at BFK The Real Thing. Thank you and goodbye. Listen, follow, leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts.